0: you're listening to we, we, we the aether podcast with host adam evans within and without welcome all
1: right chris thank you for taking the time today to come on and have this discussion really appreciate it so much and uh, i've listened to your books as well uh, the audiobook versions and, oh cool uh,
0: yeah yeah well, I, is, I really is it really weird to it. talk now then that uh, it's like no not really an audiobook or no no i don't I don't
1: think so. I know what you mean, but surprisingly, yeah. no, it, it didn't. Oh, uh, that's good. And I, yeah. And I typically tend to reach out to a lot of authors that I like their work. Just, it's like a great starting point. It's like, I already am familiar with what you're involved in and I think it, it would be beneficial to the audience. So I usually just reach out because I think, you know, a lot of people would want to hear what you have to say. Oh, so cool. I think it works out that way. Yeah. Do uh, do just to kick things that- off though. Uh, Sorry, go ahead.
0: Yeah, do you, I, I was, I'm just so curious now that you get to chat with people behind audiobooks. Um, yeah. Does the personality of the person that you chat with usually match up with what you think somebody will be like based on the book?
1: That's a tricky one. Not always, no. Yeah. Sometimes they're a little bit more formal in their presentation of the audiobook versus when yeah. we actually do a conversation. It's more, more laid back. Um, yeah. And actually, sometimes yeah. they'll come up with something. I just spoke with someone recently. It was like a few days ago. Um, he's, uh, he's an author as well. And he ended up coming up with some insightful stuff that during the interview, he's like, wow, I never even thought about that or wrote wrote about it. Thank you so much. And I seem like yeah. just taking notes of, on, you know, what we discussed. So it's great. Oh, that's you know, great. We can have these like fruitful conversations that, you know, end up giving someone some insight into something they're doing. It's, it's wonderful.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: So just to kick things off, do you mind just briefly introducing yourself? What it is you're involved with? What do you, what you do on a day-to-day basis sort of thing?
0: Yeah, for sure. My name uh, is uh, Tara Brock. I wrote no. I'm just I picked up the wrong book. Um, My name's Chris. Uh, I've written a couple books on productivity, and this has been uh, an obsession of mine since I can remember. Some people have normal interests, like God, I don't know, like cooking and sports and stuff. But I've always been curious about figuring out my own mind and finding ways to gain control over my thoughts and of my attention. And I think that's kind of an extension of this interest in productivity where it's just, it's a form of self-mastery because there are some people who have a day and they accomplish quite a bit. They write thousands of words, they run big companies, they... Um, you, you know, they accomplish great things that make the world a better place. And then you have the other group of people that kind of sit in bed and they don't have the motivation, the drive, the, I hate the word hustle because it's it, it's like just calls to mind. Uh, so many bad things for me that, that I think is, you know, the whole hustle culture is something I'm, I'm not really for, but that they don't have that, that drive to get things done over the span of the day. So I've always been curious what separates this first group of people from this second group of people. What what uh, tactics do they do on a daily basis? What strategies do they invest in? What qualities in themselves do they cultivate in order to do so? And and that's uh, you know who wouldn't be interested in that? In, in my opinion, so I'm just I feel like the luckiest guy in the world uh, that I get to research this and experiment with this on a daily basis.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, it sounds super exciting from from what I've listened to your book. And um, so what sort of kindled this interest? What sparked it for you? And around what age did you really notice that you wanted to delve down deeper into productivity and how to manage that 24 hour day?
0: Since I was a young teenager, I I think it's it's hard to put my finger on exactly when. Because, you know, these things, it's, it's often, you know, this one pivotal thing happened and then I suddenly got bit by the productivity bug. You know, that, that makes for a good story. But uh, usually it's, um, it, it's a confluence of things. I think it was a confluence of encountering productivity books when I was a young teenager. Productivity books such as Getting Things Done by David Allen, you know, one of the, uh, the canonical productivity books out there in existence, um, to pouring over my parents' uh, collection of psychology textbooks around that same time. You know, it's some combination of these factors that from a, from a very young age, it was just, uh, you know, what makes us tick?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. And I'm, I was heavily into psychology when I was younger as well. It was funny. I yeah. went to business, for, I went to college for business because I've just been involved in business my whole life. But um, I favored the psychology classes more than all the other business classes that I had to take. Yeah, like, they were all super boring to me. But then I was just glued to the teacher and to the instruction for psychology. And we even did like a silent, silent meditation during the class, which I thought was oh, cool. a little obscure for, a, you know, a psychology class. But, you know, the yeah. teacher was super were um, open to it. So I thought it was really neat. I could definitely have seen myself going down that road if I didn't do business, but um,
0: yeah, yes. me too. Like, like I think, um, I think if I could do this all again, what would I do? And I have a business degree as well, but um, but I, I recall, and not to bash everybody who's ever done a business degree, but I, I recall I was in finance originally, and the kind of folks that study finance are are not like me. <laughs> I'll just say that. You know yeah. they they care about money uh above people. They they care about, you know, competing and winning against other people where I'm probably the least competitive person on the face of the planet. I think a lot of businesses like that. And and so this is a unique perspective of my work because uh, over the last decade or probably more, but I, I would need to tally up the years, but I've had this interest in meditation that snowballed in tandem with an interest in productivity. And on the surface, those things conflict quite a bit. But I think it all depends on what direction you approach the idea of mindfulness and meditation and productivity from. If you see productivity as doing more, 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 faster, 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 hustle, 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 ah, you know, you're, you're probably actually not going to accomplish a lot because you're going to work on autopilot in response to the work that comes your way. Um, the, the best way, the best path, that I've found for becoming more productive and garnering more fruits uh, uh, when it comes to your labor is by working deliberately and with intentionality on what's actually important. You know, what you lose in speed, you make up for uh, many times over in terms of how deliberately you're able to work. And especially, you know, when we have more to do than we have time to do it in. Uh, th- this has never been more critical with, with the knowledge work that we do. Um, I, I'm writing, not, not to go off too much on this, but you can see I, you know, I get excited by this stuff. Uh, I'm actually writing a book right now. It's gonna be, you know, Audible has Audible Originals. And it's gonna be an Audible Original on the productivity benefits of meditation. And, and, you know, I'm kind of in the middle of calculating it right now. But my preliminary calculations, because here's the thing about productivity advice, right? For every minute you spend consuming it, you have to make that time back and then some or else it's not worth doing. But but the calculations that, that I've run, when when you see productivity is how much we accomplish, not how busy we are, not how many emails we send. Um, you realize meditation actually does help us out quite a bit. Um, It's not the antithesis of productivity. It's something that propels our productivity. Um, I I would, the the calculations that I've made, I found that for each minute we spend meditating up to a point, of course, um, we get back nine minutes of productivity in terms of how much more we're able to accomplish. And it's a conservative estimate. I, I think in a lot of cases, we get more time back than that because of that deliberateness and that intentionality. But that's the approach that, that I take with this topic. I, I think it's, it's a more human approach, not to kind of bolster myself up, but I, I think it's a, an approach that more people need to uh, come at productivity from, that it's about this intention.
1: Mm-hmm. No, it makes total sense. When I speak to people about meditation, the what I usually get back is, oh, I, I don't have the time, or I can't find the time.
0: Yeah. So it's
1: funny when you when you bring in that the meditation will actually free up more of your time in a way,
0: exactly. Yeah,
1: throughout the day it's really tricky to get people's mind around that. So that's why I really like the work you do. And it's great that you're writing this new book because I think it really, it's a topic that needs light shed on it because I think a lot of people are in that old paradigm of thinking that meditation is something that consumes the time as opposed to giving something back to you throughout the day. And yeah. just, I want to touch on something you mentioned in one of your, in your uh, productivity book, which was the time attention and energy and it mm-hmm. being in relation or correlating to procrastination uh, or being distracted, and feeling burnt out. So now does that meditation then sort of put those things into alignment where you're now giving the appropriate attention to what you need to, you're managing your time better, and you're just not feeling as burnt out? Is that, is that typically what the approach would? Uh,
0: yeah. So so there are a lot of different angles that that meditation helps us out with. Um, the, the primary one, first and foremost, is that uh, that focus, um, so the the type of meditation if you 're looking to meditate for productivity reasons it, to practice there's actually a kind that's that 's more beneficial, and that kind is mindfulness meditation um, because out of all of the most of this you know if you already have a practice, please don 't listen to me, please continue <laughs> to practice what you 're up to because it 's working and, and the differences between the types of meditation are relatively. Uh, marginal. It's kind of like the narcissism of of small differences, Freud's whole theory. It doesn't matter what kind you practice, but mindfulness meditation is a bit better because there's one thing in particular that mindfulness meditation helps us out the most with, with regard to our work. And that's that it makes us more mindful. <laughs> Imagine that mindfulness meditation. It's what it's, you know, the freaking thing is designed around, but that, that's exactly what it does. And whenever we're more mindful, we're more cognizant of the, the thoughts and the feelings and perceptions that, that pass through our mind. Um, really nothing ever passes through our mind that isn't a thought, uh, a feeling or a perception. And, and, and so the more we check up on what's on our mind, what our mind is full of, mindfulness, um, the, the more we can better align ourselves to what is important every single moment of the day um, on average, we focus on what's in front of us just 53% of the time. The other 47% of the time, our mind is wandering. And so the more mindful we become, the more often we actually notice that our mind is wandering. The more we practice meditation, the greater control we have of our attention. Uh, Another... uh, you know, kind of sad, but also fascinating statistic is that when we're distracted or interrupted completely by somebody and we kind of lose grip of the intention of what we want to accomplish in that moment, it takes us on average 25.5 minutes to resume working on the original task. And we work on two other tasks after it is that we're distracted or interrupted. So, if we notice just one time that we're about to distract ourselves throughout the course of the day, that's 25 minutes that we save. I mean, if you have a 25-minute meditation ritual, you earn the time back then and there in terms of how much time uh, you spend meditating. Mm
1: -hmm. And
0: I think it is, you know, it's so critical to evaluate the return that we get on um, on the different practices that we have. But when you do that with meditation, when you account for the increased mindfulness, how much more control we have of our attention. You know, Even if you just up that number from 53% of the day that you're focusing on what's in front of you to 63, to 73, it's not 100, but it is a bit better than you were before. You work an eight-hour day, that's over an hour of time that you get back just because you're more focused on what's in front of you. So there's the focus, there's the mindfulness, and and you have another factor of meditation that actually expands how much working memory we have in our mind uh, by what one study found it was conducted in adolescence. And, and so these things are difficult to measure sometimes, but one study found that our working memory expands by about 30% uh, whenever we have an active meditation practice. So you, you can process 30% more in any one moment. You can uh, dive more deeply into conversations. If, if you're reading a book on productivity, no, no subtle plug there, you know, you can, yeah. Dive so much more deeply into it, and you know, the, the working memory, the focus, the metacognition, where you check up on what's on your attention, the fact that meditation makes you less anxious and happier, you see more opportunities around you. Uh, one study conducted by Sean Acor, a, a Harvard trained psychologist, found that happier people are 31% more productive than people who are uh, in a negative or a neutral state. Add all this up, you get at least nine minutes back in terms of how much time you get back for every minute you spend meditating. Um, I, I think it does kind of level off a little bit after about 30 minutes of, of meditation. That's what I've noticed in myself, but it's, uh, it's so, so worth practicing. Forget about the spiritual benefits. Forget about all of that. Just focus on, on your work alone. It's worth it.
1: Mm-hmm. And the efficiency of it. Yeah. And so what is your take on, On the whole, like social media push notifications, everything and and its association to attention hijacking. Mm -hmm. So like someone like does the meditation you find help someone better allocate their time when they do get pushed a notification, they Get a message or anything else. They look at it. A lot of times someone could just look at like they'll get sucked into the device. And then it, for 40 minutes goes by, an hour goes by, yeah. and they really haven't accomplished much of anything. So what's your take on on that? Because it's it's really prevalent in our society now, and it's just it seems to be increasingly so.
0: Yeah, I think one of the first things that you have to realize is that we're distracted a lot. On average, when we do work in front of a computer, uh, we focus on one thing for just 40 seconds before we switch to something else. And that lowers to... 35 seconds if uh, we have an app like Slack or Skype open as we're trying to work. Um, but, but something else that's worth considering is this isn't our fault that we're so distracted. Um, that there's a, a mechanism in our mind called the novelty bias, by which for every new and novel thing we direct our attention at, our mind rewards us with a hit of dopamine, uh, you know, one of the uh, wonderful pleasure chemicals, the same that we get when we make love or eat an extra large pizza from, from Domino's or Little Caesars because they have that, that wonderful cheese. Yes, they do. Uh, yes, they, they do. With You're the, making me uh, hungry. Just going on about that? <laughs> you get the Parmesan yeah. cheese dusted mm-hmm. on, on top of it. It's a, a wonderful, magnificent thing. But this, this same dopamine is released every time we distract ourselves. And so we, we wake up, And then we go over to Instagram and we get a hit of dopamine. Uh, We then go over to Twitter, we get another hit of dopamine. We go to YouTube, we get another hit still. We check our email, we get another hit. We go to Slack, we get another hit. We check the text messages that came in overnight, we get another hit still. And so there's all all this dopamine coursing through our mind. And because we want to maintain some sort of equilibrium with regard to, to the state of our mind, the state of our attention, we're always seeking out every 40 seconds, usually, the next hit of distraction. We don't so much as uh, fall victim to distraction as we take a hit of, of distraction. You know, you're feeling a bit bored, you check your phone, you get a few hits of dopamine released in your mind. And where meditation helps us with this, um, first of all, it, it, it heightens our metacognition. So we check up more often on the fact that we're about to distract ourselves um, because during a meditation session, we're able to train our mind to step back from our thoughts. We also step back from the impulses that we have, which an impulse is just a, you know, uh, in my opinion, it's, it's a set of thoughts in our mind that are so bundled up that we can't necessarily break through into understanding with conscious awareness what that bundled up series of thoughts is in the moment. Um, but what meditation does is it makes our mind less stimulated. And so we sit on our meditation cushion. Mine is, is down here right next to my turtle tank, which needs a cleaning. And, uh, and that's a pocket of time in which we don't constantly turn to another hit of distraction, Our mind has a chance to simmer. We can settle down. We can rest. We can let our mind just kind of, you know, we can observe where it wants to go in in the state of our attention. And in doing so, we make our mind less stimulated. And this is, again, yet another reason why we earn back time with meditation is we don't seek out the distractions in the first place. And, And there's kind of two ways that we can tame the distractions in our life, in our work. There's the external solutions, right? We can turn our phone screen on grayscale mode. We can download a distractions blocker on the computer. We can do all these, these sorts of things. But we need to also do the other side of the coin, which is uh, tame the internal um, situation that is causing us to fall victim to distraction so often. And meditation is a wonderful way of just know it's not a relaxation technique right it's it's like it's kind of like the difference between a a relaxation massage and a therapeutic massage it's very much a therapeutic massage for the mind, but it does fix more than any relaxation technique out there for that reason
1: mm-hmm. and what what's your take on some of these meditation apps that do assist someone with you know their their med- i know Sam Harris actually has one that's been pretty popular um, but i I almost question the the use of those because doesn't it just further reinforce that, you know, the distraction of just using these devices, because I almost feel like when we've been so programmed with these things, I've noticed it too, and and I'm sure you do as well and anyone listening, but based on even your icon placement on your phone, you instinctively know the email icon's there, you just open it up, swipe up, icon. Sometimes I do it without even realizing. Then the app opens and I'm like, whoa, did I just click that? You know, it's like we get programmed. Who for, did that? Yeah, exactly. For these pleasure hits and these, and these, this dopamine that you're speaking to. So yeah. um, what's your take on some of these apps? Do you feel they're beneficial and that's going in a good direction? Or do you think they're, they're kind of a hindrance of, of people's progression in that sense?
0: Uh, I think as long as the apps are... Rooted in these historic practices that lead us to regulate our attention a bit better doesn't matter what kind of meditation it is doesn't matter where it comes from uh, doesn't matter if it's guided if it's guided great you know the, the 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 research shows that guided meditations whether they're from an app whether they're from uh, some just kind of Thing that you download online, whether whether they're at a meditation retreat, um, that they produce similar benefits. And so, you know, I think in in such a noisy world, one of the best places to turn to is the research surrounding meditation. And that that's what I that's that's what I love doing the most because everybody's giving advice, you know, everybody has an opinion, everybody wants to be an expert, but you don't have to be an expert, you can just look to the research, you know, download a few meta-analyses on the topic of meditation, see what they say. And the research shows that all of them are kind of the same. And that includes the ones on our phone. And, and, and so I would say anything that gets somebody in the door, and I can definitely understand the resistance that, that a lot of people have, because it's supposed to be an internal practice right? Meditation, you, you turn your attention inward and notice, right? Notice what's on your mind, notice what's on your psyche. It's not supposed to be a thing that you do on your phone.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: But I, I think as long as the phone aids in, um, in, in allowing you to turn to what's inside of your mind, it's, it's mm-hmm. okay. Um, and, and the research would back that up.
1: Mm-hmm. I guess someone would even just have to be very attentive to how it's making them feel, how it's making them just, uh, practice that practice. Um, It's getting really interesting now with the the way Elon Musk's coming up with these Neuralink things that are actually going to go into the brain. uh, (laughs) And we'll see where that goes in terms of people's ability to manage their meditation time. But
0: yeah, 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 seriously. You know, I I think the key is to do it on airplane mode or once you start the meditation, if you have headphones on, put your phone on the other side of the room because your mind will wander, right?
1: Mm. Like the,
0: the, the point of meditation is like, like for, for example, mindfulness meditation, there, there are a lot of different kinds, but assume that we're practicing um, one, one meditation of the breath. Just, you know, everybody listening is probably practicing something else, but, but assume that for a second. The reason the breath works so beautifully as an object of meditation, first of all, it's always there. But second of all, it's boring as hell, right? We don't want to focus on our breath. But what that means is that if we can focus on our breath, we can focus on anything. Right. If we can become engaged with mm-hmm. the qualities of our breath, we can become engaged with anything, including that, that difficult conversation, including that thing we're procrastinating on. Right? If we can step back from our thoughts during meditation, we can step back from our thoughts when we're about to uh, go out onto the field for the biggest match of our life. We, we can kind of tame the negative self-talk that we have around bouts of procrastination and untangle the thoughts that come bundled up with feelings of anxiety, depression, physical pain, and and all these sorts of of different factors. Um, You know, meditation works so well because it's so boring, right? Not not in spite of it being boring, but because it's boring. Your mind resists meditation, right? Because it resists focusing on the breath. It's like staring at the wall. (laughs) Mm -hmm, But, But, you know, eventually you get to that point where you become engaged with your breath you are able to focus on your breath and you find your breath quite beautiful right it's it becomes the most beautiful thing that you can focus on and and you'll notice that at that time that you see beauty around you because you can see beauty in the breath Mm -hmm. and you know the phone should not detract from that practice um the the phone should make meditation easier um, in so far as it gets us to start up a meditation and continue going with one and maybe guide us along uh, w- with our journey as well. But yeah, it's, uh, it, it's powerful because it's hard. Isn't mm-hmm.
1: it? it actually reminds me of uh, Stuart Wilde, who's a, another author. And he uh, wrote about, he had a practice where he would wake up in the morning, early morning, early riser, and uh, he would go move stones from one side of his field to another. And he called this the practice of getting stoned. So he would just (laughs) wake up and he would move the stones from the one side to the other. And if his brain said, why are we moving these stones? This is so stupid. This is boring. He'd say, we're just getting stoned. That's all right now. And he just keeps repeating that to himself (laughs) and keep this practice of moving them back and forth every morning. So it was just a boring thing. It took him like half an hour or more to do, but it was part of that practice. And it is really like a a movement of mindfulness at the same time so I wanted to ask you now, because I know you in your book, you had mentioned that you practiced 30 hours or even more than that of meditation per week, but it was done in, in a mindfulness meditation sense. So it was mm-hmm. done through your activities and whatnot. When you said that in the book, I, it actually made me it's very akin to like a Buddhist ideology of uh, the four postures of meditation, which is sitting, standing, lying down, uh, and, and walking around. Actually, I, I spoke with a um, uh, a Buddhist Lama, Lama Surya Das, he was on another episode, and he actually came up with another one, which is thumbing, you know, with our, our devices. <laughs> so he created the fifth posture of meditation, but it all ties in with mindfulness. Is, so I just wanted to see if you could over uh, too. Yeah, yeah. It's like, I'm meditating right now. I'm being very mindful about it.
0: Yeah, I don't think you are. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: But I noticed in yours, you mentioned that eating was mm-hmm. was one of those practices, mindful eating. So I just wanted to see yeah. you to touch on just the, the practice of having a meditation practice that Really encompasses mindfulness and something that you could you know incorporate throughout the entire day it doesn 't just have to be sitting yeah. still on, a, on a pillow and you know being in silence, but it can actually be taken with you as you go about the day
0: I, I think it's possible to bring mindfulness to anything that doesn't require our full attention anything that doesn't require our full if something requires our full attention like writing we 're go- going to be uh, perceptually coupled with that thing you know our thoughts are. Our feelings, our perceptions, will all be aligned with that one task as we become perceptually coupled with it. A perception just means focused, um, and um, and so because of that, it's going to be pretty hard to be mindful. You know, we won't have much attention left to check up on on where our mind is at. But anything that doesn't take our full attention, we can do mindfully. Uh, you know, chores are are such a beautiful. mechanism through this you know because of of this novelty bias that we were talking about where uh, you know our brain releases a hit of dopamine for every new and novel thing we direct our attention at we want to fill the moments of our day to the brim we're cutting up vegetables as i was doing before uh before we started chatting today and you know we want to listen to a podcast at the same time or an audiobook because it's like okay I, i want to get the most out of this moment we're doing the laundry we're folding the laundry and we want to be doing something else at the same time. We're listening to music. And we want to get our phone and kind of tap around mindlessly. Um, instead of just bringing our full attention to one beautiful moment that we get to, you know, become grateful for the food that we get to chop up and then eat, that, that we get to, uh, you know, just sip on a cup of coffee or, or herbal tea and just enjoy that cup of tea, to listen to some music. Like, um, I'm a big fan of Taylor Swift's new album. And uh, so I've been listening to that on repeat one. It's just great. It's, it's so great. You hear things in music that you never would have heard before. And, you know, things become more beautiful if you can get past the point where you feel anxious about doing fewer things in the moment uh, to the point where your mind is a bit less stimulated. And so you can actually just enjoy the things that you're doing, you know no no meal will be as delicious as the one you focus on with one hundred percent of your attention. no song will be as as uh, wonderful and inspiring as the one you focus on with one hundred percent of your attention. No cup of coffee will be as energizing as delicious as the one you focus on with one hundred percent no no extra large stuffed crust pizza will be as delicious as the one you focus on with 100% of your attention. So things become more beautiful when you just devote your attention to them and make an active effort to uh, anchor your focus to the circumstances of the present moment. And, it, you know, it's, it's not that hard. It should, the, the hard part isn't understanding what to do, the hard part is actually doing that thing, uh, which is always the, the the chasm that we need to leap over with regard to meditation, especially when the world stimulates us so much. Um, but it's so worth doing, as, as I'm sure you've noticed.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, I noticed uh, in one case, I'm just going to give you an example because I know you're a Canadian, so you'd appreciate mm-hmm. this. But uh, I was in a Tim Hortons and it oh, uh, was gosh, someone... Okay. Yeah, yeah, nice reference. Uh, (laughs) There was someone preparing donuts and they were doing it, but they were so in it. They were stuffing the uh, Boston creams with the thing, but they were singing while they were doing it. They were actually singing and getting really into this process of making the donuts. And I was watching that. I was like, I want one of that person's. (laughs) Yeah. Because that is going to be the tastiest donut I've ever had from Tim Hortons. Because this person is putting themselves totally into this task, whereas normally yeah. I'll see them preparing these donuts are just like whatever this, you know, yeah. monotonous type of thing they always have to do. But this yeah. person was like really involved. They're like, oh, I'm going to stuff this one just this much, and then like singing it along the way. It was it was really good to see. So yeah, a little story made me. Uh, I thought about that when you were are speaking. Are
0: you in Canada? Are you in Canada? Yeah, yeah.
1: I'm just outside of Toronto. Oh, cool. Yeah. I'm in Kingston. Yeah. Okay. Oh, Kingston, really nice. So yeah. I'm in uh, Ajax. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. Uh, but I'm actually uh, moving. So I'm selling my house. I'm moving further east towards Kingston. So I'm going like Prince Edward County area.
0: Oh, beautiful. Where Where in the county?
1: I kind of like. Um, I think it's called Carrying Place.
0: Oh yeah, 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 yeah.
1: And then I also also, oh, also cool. like Brighton is kind of nice too. Brighton's beautiful. Um,
0: Wellington yeah. beautiful. My parents yeah. live in Wellington. Oh, okay. You know, if anybody listening, if this ends up making it to the podcast, uh, then mm. fine Canadian chat um, it's a great wine tour country. It's yes, i heard. Yeah. Uh, my, my dad loves just driving us around and there are so many wineries. There's probably 10, 15 wineries within five minutes of their house. Um, and so we, we go hit up the wineries. It's not, it's a good way to spend a day. Protein. Yeah. I've never,
1: I've never been to those, but I think I'm going to make a trip. Like I've been to Sandbanks a few times yeah. and that's yeah. just like remarkable. I mean, it's, yeah. Unlike anything else you'll find, probably in North America, so it's it's ridiculous. But the wine tour is yeah. something I wouldn't mind trying. Yeah,
0: that's the jam, man. That's that's the place to be.
1: Uh huh. Yeah, I'm hearing <laughs> a lot of good things about it. Yeah, but um. But hey, so I want to, it's uh, easy
0: just... to get distracted.
1: Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I wanted to shift gear and ask you about how would one or how would you recommend someone identify their highest impact task throughout the day?
0: Yeah. So, one of the most fundamental things that we can learn and recognize about the work that we do is that not all tasks are created equal, um, uh, unlike all men and women. Uh, not all tasks are created equal. Um, and it's a fundamental truth about productivity. And so you need to recognize the things that for every minute you spend on them provide a greater return on your time Uh, your attention and your energy. And here's, you know, here's a a tactic that'll make the podcast worth the price of the admission for anybody listening or watching. And, and that, is this activity one of the simplest activities in the world to calculate what the highest return tasks in your work are so what you do you get ai don't have one here to use as an example but you get a pen you get a sheet of paper and you go to a coffee shop you put all your technology leave it at home um, and go there with just a pen and a sheet of paper and ask like make a list of every single activity that you do in your work over the span of a given month. Every single thing, big, small, short, fat, ugly, fun, put it all on the sheet of paper, every single activity you do in your work. Then ask yourself, if I can only do one thing on this list, day in, day out, every single day, every minute of every day, which one activity allows me to accomplish the most. It's the one that makes the biggest impact in your work and how much you accomplish in terms of what your team is able to accomplish, what your business is able to accomplish. That's the one that you should be working on. Now, I'll give you two. And so you can circle a second activity. So you get to do two things day in, day out and circle a third one um, as well. And after about three activities, your marginal productivity begins to fall off of a cliff. You you accomplish significantly less past that point. And most of the other things left on the list, they support your work. They aid you in what you're doing. They're not the core of what you do in your work. They, these are tasks and projects and commitments that kind of orbit around the, the three main uh, suns in, in this weird solar system diagram that I have in my mind right now. And and so, you know, these are the most important activities that you can do over the span of the day. Um, So schedule time for them, please, like do it. You'll you'll get that time back so many, so many times over. When you're setting your intentions every single day, recall what's actually important and meaningful in your work. Um, Mine, are writing, research, and speaking, right? Writing is how I I capture ideas and share them with the world. Research is where I encounter new ideas because I don't know everything. In fact, I'm just discovering more questions for every new idea that I encounter. So I feel less and less of an expert every single day. And so the research cross-pollinates with the writing. The speaking is how I get out into the world and share these ideas with a lot of corporate audiences, but a lot of, of general audiences as well. And all three of those are my main work. I should be delegating everything else. I should be giving it to somebody else. Should do to do. I shouldn't be doing it, perhaps. Um, and, and so I, I think we all need to recognize the three main things in our work. And the fascinating thing here's the fascinating thing: is regardless of what job somebody does, regardless of what industry somebody is in. Uh, Regardless of what somebody's day looks like, how much control they have over their work, there are usually only a few things that contribute the most to how much we accomplish every single day. And you should calculate yours. And your video is frozen once again. And, um, And I hope You're okay.
1: You had mentioned delegating and it's something that I've been working on a lot as well. And even for this podcast, like I initially I was reaching out to people myself and then it was just not very time efficient for me, all the back and forths and this and that. So I ended up having an assistant take over and now she does a lot of the organizing of it just for that reason you had mentioned, because I was finding I was just getting swamped with all these little items that weren't my high impact, most important tasks of the day. And and I've even made, um, I think I made a YouTube video talking about having three items that you should make on your list and then once you tackle those items for the day anything after that is just bonus um so so yeah i just thought it was really interesting because uh i I literally just got an assistant recently and she was one you're one of the first people she reached out to or uh uh, oh cool yeah yeah it it worked
0: out she's good
1: it did work out she's doing a good job and actually uh, yesterday i was uh doing a gym session and i thought you would appreciate this because uh it's it's all about productivity i was list re-listening to your book and i was doing it on 1.2 times speed which i just started doing oh, recently to just to speed up and how quick i get through some of the books yeah uh, so i was working out
0: you're saying the pace of the good book wasn't good enough you had to speed it up well it's just because i've already
1: listened to it <laughs> so if anything it's good that i have gone through it again now
0: <laughs> but no, it's, one of my favorite tactics is to buy the audiobook and to pick up the either the physical version of the book or an, or in an Kindle version of the book, and listen to the book on two x and so i okay. I look at the or or one point five x if it 's heavier, and so i 'll look at the words in the book uh, and i 'll hear it and so you know the the book keeps my attention weighted to what 's going on in that present moment, but I get kind of the words washing over me as well i don 't know if it 's any faster than reading a physical book, but it keeps you on track at the very least. Yeah, I never
1: tried that. Yeah, I would give that a try. Actually, just picking up the physical copy as well, and just using it as a reference. Sometimes, like they'll they'll have a physical that has diagrams too. So it's, yeah, in those cases, Audible doesn't usually include those. I think sometimes they do, but yeah, I listen to, go to a lot when they don't. Download yeah. a
0: PDF and stuff, it's yeah. just like it costs twice as much. So be thoughtful about which books you do this for. But uh, for for the most impactful books, this is something that I that, that I love to do.
1: Mm-hmm. So I wanted to ask you about how you identified that you were more of a maybe not necessarily a night owl, but I know you, you said you idealized the, the concept of uh, or you really liked the idea of going uh, being an early morning riser, but it just wasn't conducive with how you found your day to go. I mean, I'm similar. I really like the idea of waking up early, but sometimes it's just it's just not in me. And I've actually listened to a book recently, Was um, it's called Why We Sleep by uh, oh, Matthew, yeah, great book. Matthew Walker. Matthew Walker, yeah. And he covered this, he, and he really did address the fact that there are some people that are just more efficient, more productive if they just sleep a little bit extra. And yeah. then in some cases, people will have their highest productivity times will be later in the day. And if they're, they're clocking out from work, then the employer is not necessarily benefiting from the full potential of that individual they've hired. So I just yeah. wanted to kind of get you to touch on like, how did you identify that you're more productive waking up a little bit later as opposed to trying to really get up early? And-
0: yeah, it, it was during an experiment to wake up at 5.30 every single morning. And so it, it took me quite, quite some time to actually uh, implement this, this uh, habit into my life. Because I had no, you know, reason to do it. It's not as if I, I had a job that started at six a.m. My work is is a research guided. It's, it's quite self guided. So I needed, you know, it, it took me that long to implement the habit into my life. And I realized, you know, I, I, I first of all I, I had the routine that productivity dreams are made of. I woke up at five thirty. I meditated. I went for a run. I hit the gym. I listened or read a book. All before the rest of the world even woke up, uh, but very quickly I realized that I absolutely hated this ritual. I, I had to go to bed when I had the most energy, when I was being productive late into the evening, and um, and when my friends wanted to hang out as well. And, and so, you know, that that got me curious about a lot of the research between wake up time and this whole idea that the early bird gets the worm. Uh, It's BS. You know, the the research, the actual research, when you look at the science behind this, shows that there's no difference in somebody's socioeconomic standing um, based on what time they wake up at. It's what we do with the hours of our day after we wake up and how uh, deliberately we live and work after we wake up that make the difference in in terms of how uh, productive and and our overall levels of, of success in our life, how much money we make, how much um, how much of a difference we make as well. Uh, and so that experiment kind of put me onto this idea that, okay, maybe not everybody should be an early riser. Um, maybe our energy levels differ and it, they really do differ. And I feel most people have sort of a sense of, of what they are, um, you know, whether they're a morning bird, whether they're a night owl, whether they're somewhere in between, um, it, you know, and we should be working around, the energy levels that we have. And so often we look for some calculations, some some you know reason without looking back on all of the data that we've collected ourselves, right? You know there are so many productivity books out there that we can listen to, that we can read, but we also have a lot of evidence ourselves. If you want to be productive, sometimes the best way to do that is to ask, okay, when have I been the most productive? And what circumstances, what situation was true uh, at that time. Maybe you were doing your best work in the morning before your family woke up. Maybe you were doing the work late into the evening when your family had gone to bed, or maybe you were at a coffee shop hunkering down on something in the the mid-morning. You know, depending on when we're the most productive, we should be working around these energy levels. I, I, I happen to, for, for uh, one of the books, The Productivity Project, um, I charted how much energy I had every single hour for, for f- a period of four weeks. Um, the first week I threw out all the data because it took time to reset my caffeine tolerance and, and all that sort of stuff. But I realized that I have the most energy in the evening, I- I- in the mid-morning, um, not first thing in the morning. Maybe later on, in the day. And so we should be recognizing, you know, those three ingredients, our time, our attention, our energy, Um, our attention. So critical, right? With meditation, we can uh, gain more control of it with our time, right? We can, uh, we, we can do things such as prioritize what's important, recognize what's important every single day by knowing our most important tasks, but the energy, right? Because our energy is not consistent every hour, our productivity, won't be consistent every hour as well. And, and so by aligning when, like the beauty is when you stack all these things on top of one another. Um, and, and there are other productivity stacks that, that you can do as well. But if you work on your most important tasks during a period when you have the most energy and meditate when your energy dips so you can re- recover um, and, and, and recharge for later on, right? It, it's when, we, when we're strategic, not just about how we work, but the ways in which we invest in how we work uh, that our productivity can, can increase. Not, not in the sense of, you know, we're just busier, but in the sense that we actually accomplish more over the span of the day because we work more deliberately.
1: Mm-hmm. I like how you break it up into like that hour. It's like each hour is even not created equal because it's your, your energy will fluctuate your, and how you, how efficient you are during that time. I notice that too. Sometimes it's like, yeah. I didn't really accomplish much of the past hour, but like the hour prior to that, I've got quite a bit done. So where did I just like tip off and crash yeah. from, like, the past 45 to, to 60 <laughs> minutes? Yeah, it happens quite often. So then I have to like get back on track and yeah. I do find the meditation helps with that. It like it recenters me. It gets me back in a good place. And getting back to what we talked about earlier with the using apps, I was actually using a Muslim app. It's called Muslim Assist. Um, oh. And I wasn't necessarily using it for entirely what they had planned it for, I'm sure, but I was getting the notifications for the five times a day um, meditation where I would actually take that time to yeah. just go off somewhere and and head down, bow down 10, 15 minutes. And mm-hmm. I found I'd come out of that, and I'd feel refreshed, rejuvenated, like mm-hmm. a clear, more clear-headed in, in what I was doing. And it, sometimes it's a real struggle because it's like I'll be writing an email. It's like ding, 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 ding. You know, yeah. now is you know time of Isha or whatever it is, and yeah. I have to go and I have to face Mecca. And I would just practice this. But I, you know,
0: yeah. it, it, it are you Muslim yourself? Or no, you?
1: I'm not. I just like to I like to experiment. I would say, if anything, I'm more of like a, a multi faith type of. Yeah. Uh, I lean more towards Hinduism, Buddhism. Yeah yeah but uh
0: muslims have have a weird game when it comes to productivity because they get all all these breaks throughout the day which is fantastic for productivity because you get to you know rest your mind a little bit but then you have the month of ramadan where you have to you know practice fasting which can be good for productivity if you're good at it but it's a it's a fascinating um it's a fascinating set, you know, all the beliefs aside, it's a fascinating set of rituals. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think, yeah, they, you know, those folks have it right with regard to taking breaks throughout the day. Yeah. You yeah. A meditation schedule to follow just, you know, pretend. <laughs> yeah.
1: Cause I didn't want to make up my own schedule. I just kind of wanted to, yeah. and part of me feels like when, I know other people around the world are doing this at the same time.
0: Yeah, yeah. It feels
1: like a communal effort. Like we're all facing Mecca. We're all doing this prayer at these set times. Yeah. Like you're not alone in the practice. I mean, that's how I felt anyway. So, if anyone's listening, it's really cool to try using an app that's not yes. necessarily a meditation app, but you can apply it in that way. I just thought it was really interesting.
0: That's that. really cool. Muslim assist. Another one to get that kind of community feel for meditation is insight timer. I, I'm not sure if okay. you've experimented with that, but I haven't, no. fire up the app, you see a, a splash screen of lights, so like all around a globe of who's meditating in that moment. Oh, wow. So I
1: definitely with, have to get that.
0: That's cool. Yeah. 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 Uh, when you finish up with a session, it says, these are the people um, around you that were meditating with you. And wow. So you get that sense yeah. of community as well. And another, you know, beautiful way of, because it is, it is sometimes like, such a solo practice, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's somewhere and, and you turn inwards. But knowing that there are other people with you really does make a difference.
1: Yeah, that's where I think using these apps and devices really comes in handy. So with that one you're talking about, is, do they have like, um, well, they do like meditate towards loving awareness or like have a meditation events type of thing?
0: Uh, th- there are a bunch of courses that, that you can do kind of within the app, sort of like a 10 uh, set. for for say anxiety or something Um, and and then there are individual guided meditations then there's just a timer with a bunch of bells Mm -hmm. and you can do interval bells and and so for an example I might do a a 45 minute session with two interval bells after each 15 minutes and so I'll sit for 15 I'll walk for 15 walking meditation then do another 15 sit and so it's pretty customizable whatever uh, kind you practice that's Even really if you cool. practice prayer, you know, it's a, it's a wonderful way of knowing who around you is investing in that, in that spiritual side of themselves.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think I'll include that. Cause I, I do include all like your links and everything else in the show notes. So I'll include that yeah. app as well. Cause I think people would yeah. really appreciate that. I know I'm going to get it after we hop off. Um, <laughs> yeah. So uh, one more question for you was, it revolved around how you had uh, changed your physical body in terms of putting yeah. on muscle mass. That was one of your goals and that was one of your uh, I guess part of your productivity project. So how did you go about doing that? Because I, I'm involved in fitness, like on, on the personal side, um, it's kind of like a hobby of mine. But yeah. a lot of people are really having difficulty with that side of things, just losing weight, gaining weight, gaining muscle, setting goals yeah. for themselves. And, and I had some good experience with it. I, I put on a bunch of weight um, just through the, you know, nine to five grind, kind of drinking a lot, partying too much and all this stuff. <laughs> put on a ton of weight. Uh, this is when I was living in Toronto. Um, And I set a goal for myself if I want to hit 7% body fat, so I want to lose all that weight and cut it down. And I ended up hitting that goal, but it it took a lot of dedication. I did fasting. I worked out every single day. Um, But a lot of people have difficulty with setting the goal and then figuring out a way to actually achieve that. So when I heard that you took it upon yourself to build 10 pounds of muscle in the book, it it really hit home for me because it it was Mm -hmm. much like the process I um, took upon myself. but it's something that so many people are challenged with. So I just wanted yeah. to just get your take on how you approached that. And if any if you have recommendations for anyone that's listening.
0: Yeah, for sure. Uh, work out every day. <laughs>
1: <laughs> work out every day. Don't eat that. Don't, the, eat, don't eat the yeah. pizza with the extra Parmesan. Yeah. And, <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. Like it's, it, it honestly, um, it's like the best and worst advice in the world because it's so simple, but hardly anybody would do it. But I, I found that just hitting the gym every single day, and rewarding myself for doing so and, and having some fun with it and having some accountability built in really did make all the difference in the world that, you know, I, I, aimed to gain 10 pounds of lean muscle mass. I think I gained 15 by, by the end of the productivity project. And it was just keeping at it every single day. I, I think one other thing that I would add is just book one session with it with a trainer, like just have them show you the, the machines, Mention your goals. Say I only have the money. Just say you don't have the money. Say save say the money for one session. Just set me up with a workout plan, and then question all the limits that you think you have around working out. Um, and and that, that's another thing I think people kind of settle into the fact that they do X number of pounds on a machine, um, and and they stop questioning that. <laughs> I, I remember, you know, on on, on you know, obviously. Um, your advice, your, your mileage may vary, obligatory disclaimer, uh, talk to a healthcare person or whatever before taking some advice from some guy on a podcast. Um, don't be an idiot. But but at the same time, question the limits that you have with that disclaimer out of the way. Uh, I remember I was doing a leg press and I, I did, you know, I think I forget the exact numbers. I think 180 pounds every day. And I was pushing on that machine. It felt a bit heavier than usual, but it's okay. I'm probably a bit tired. I looked over instead of being at 180, I'd forgot to set it. I think it was at uh, 350. And so I thought that limit was 180, but then I just pushed it and I questioned the limit and I was able to do pretty well double what what I was doing before. Uh And and so I think that's another thing worth mentioning. Just randomly up your weights that you're doing, you know, try not to compromise the form, but just as a challenge to yourself, Mm -hmm. limits probably exist um, where you, limits don't exist where, where you think they do.
1: Mm-hmm. See, I actually, when I started working out, I was lucky enough to, I'm not sure if you've heard of Fortis Fitness, but it's in the center of Toronto. It was a pretty popular gym. They have one in the West End of Mississauga as well. But I was lucky enough to to just come across this gym and it had all these world record power lifters in there. So I was going in and I I was like, first of all, I didn't even know anything about really lifting in that sense. But I was starting with one plate on each side and doing some deadlifts. But I would look over and see these guys lifting like seven, eight, nine hundred 900 pounds. And it just opened up my eyes like this is possible for a human to do. Like it was really cool to see them do that. And then just gradually, slowly start to apply that practice to my, to my own exercise. And I would just get them to come over and critique me every now and then and be like, hey, man, do you mind just like looking at what I'm doing and telling me yeah. if it's good? because – you know, I want to do what you're doing there. And that's a long way away. So, you know, and you know, it's what six or seven years uh, now into lifting. And I was I went from the, the starting with the one plate and I, I lifted deadlift uh, deadlifted 600 pounds, like, uh, I don't know a few months back. So it's, it's just like it's it, it's just that lifting that veil of doubt, or whatever you may yeah. want to call it, kind of like you with it, just not knowing that you had double the weight on there. But realizing like hey, I can actually do this. So it's was like
0: opening. Yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah That whole that whole thing is it can it is so like even when I was just growing up I used to see people in movies with these abs and I'd be like, oh, they're just like that I'm not like yeah. that, but it's you can <laughs> be work. like that, you know, it takes the work. So mm-hmm. yeah, so anyone's listening Just do the work. I, I like the, the get a trainer thing or just find someone that's doing really well in the gym and just go ask them For some free advice. Yeah. And, yeah, it's a great great approach um, so yeah, that's, uh, that's basically all the questions I have for now, but, uh, I know you have cool. to go as well. Um, perhaps we could just hop on again sometime and, and chat further. Maybe when your, your new meditation book is out, I'd love to pick yeah. up more on different types of meditation, transcendental or uh, anything else you may be practicing. Uh, yeah. Do you have any closing thoughts for anyone that, that's listening that's interested in getting involved in productivity or just bettering themselves on a day-to-day ba- basis?
0: Yeah really pay attention to how much time you get back for every minute you spend on productivity. Um, That that I think has to be the benchmark against which we measure all the advice out there. You know, the best advice is rooted in science. It is uh, time that we get back and it allows us to work more deliberately. And we need those three things with the advice that that we follow and the advice if we're in a position where we give advice, I, I think it needs to have those three characteristics. Um, another note, because I've, you know, I'm on this big kind of push for, for the second book that, that I have out now, um, that, that revolves around attention management, um, is that the state of our attention determines the state of our lives. Um, you know, Out of all of the factors that contribute to our productivity, time, attention, energy, we, we know what to do with time and energy for the most part, right? We, we need to figure out what tasks are the most important. We need to figure out how our energy fluctuates, but we do the things, right? We show up to places on time. We invest in how much energy we have by doing things like working out and meditation to recharge. But it, it's in cultivating our attention that we have the biggest room for growth with regard to our productivity. And so mind your attention, mind your deliberateness um, so you can mind your productivity.
1: Hmm. i think that's an amazing piece of advice especially with what we covered earlier with all the apps and everything so yeah yeah yeah. yeah. well thank you again and uh i hope you have a great day and uh you're you're in kingston right now you say actually like oh cool i did not realize you were so close when i when i first uh listened to your book i knew you were canadian but that's really cool nowhere yeah 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 yeah. so
0: much for having me that was fun
1: wonderful all right cool we'll talk soon